Today on Daily Hope with Pastor Rick Warren, we continue in our riveting journey through the series, The Invisible War. In it, we'll explore the unseen world of good and evil and see how it impacts our day-to-day existence. Join us for eye-opening biblical insights into the spiritual dimensions that influence our lives in ways we never imagined. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with the final part of a message called, Set Free From Me. Now, what are you most afraid of? What are you most afraid of these days? Um, You know, the number one fear people have, I know all the studies. People say it's the fear of speaking in front of others, it's the fear of heights, or, you know, the fear of new social situations. Actually, what I've found as a pastor talking to people for 30 years, the number one fear people have is the fear of being out of control. And when you feel your life is out of control, it creates enormous fear in your life. And the longer you feel it's out of control, you start thinking, I'm out of control. And then you start thinking, maybe I'm losing my mind. Now, the Bible says that we should not be afraid, but we turn to God. I remember one time in in Northern California, it's the year I got married. At the end of the year that I got married, 36 years ago, I, my health broke and I was, began to develop a fear that it's never gonna go away, that my life is over. Shoot, my life hadn't even started. Hadn't even started. But I was afraid, this is the end of my life, I'm never gonna mount anything, nothing's gonna happen in my life, God isn't gonna use me, I'm gonna be an invalid my entire life, and on and on and on. And I was filled with these fears. And so we took a month off from work, and Kay and I went to Northern California where my parents lived out in the country in the Redwoods. And uh, while we were there, one day I got up in the morning and I was so depressed because these fears were just clawing at my mind all the time. And the phone rang and my mom picked it up and she handed it to Kay and the man said, is this where Rick Warren is staying? And they said, yes, can I talk to him? She said, yes, she hands me the phone. This guy says, Rick, we've never met. I don't know you, you don't know me. I'm calling from San Diego. But I heard that you were going through a tough time. And I just wanna give you a, a verse, and it is this. God, it's 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. And he hung up. <laughs> that verse changed my life. Here it is on the screen. For the spirit that God has given us does not make us fearful or timid. Instead, his spirit fills us with power, love, and self-control. Now get this, the more controlled you are by the Holy Spirit, the more self-control you've gotta have. You're gonna have, you're going to have. Now get this, a lot of people are afraid of the Holy Spirit. It's like, I don't wanna be filled with the Spirit. Fill with the Spirit, that'll turn me into some nut. Actually, it's the exact opposite. The more you have of the Holy Spirit, the more self-controlled you are. In fact, God does not give us, it says, a spirit of fear. So if you are afraid, that's not from God. 
That fear is not from God. When God's spirit comes into your life, you're filled with love. I want that. You're filled with power. I want that. You're filled with self-control. I want that. Okay, Holy Spirit, I want all you got. Fill me. It doesn't make me some nutcase. It makes me more human. It makes me more natural. It makes me more loving. It makes me more in self-control. Mastered by the master, I can master anything. Throw it at me. I can handle it. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the spirit in me doesn't make me a lunatic or a religious nut. To be filled with the spirit makes me more self-controlled. And believe me, brother, you need more self-control. The more spirit-controlled I am, the more self-controlled I am. Number five, and three more. Let's move these real quickly. The fifth thing we learn from Romans eight is about the antidote to hopelessness, and that's verses 17 and 18. And and the habit I want you to learn to develop is to focus on the long-term, not the short-term. Focus on the long-term, not the short-term. You know, there's a very famous study done by Harvard University, very, very famous study that found out, that figured out, that the more long-term your thinking is, the more successful you're gonna be in life. The shorter term your thinking is, the more failure you're gonna be in life. People who fail at life have short-term thinking. They're only thinking about today. They're only thinking about here and now. They're only thinking about what feels good to me right now. But the longer term you think, the more successful you'll be in life. In fact, the longest-term thinkers are those who are most successful in life. Now, as a Christian, we can win this one hands down because when we think in terms of long-term thinking, we call it eternity. Because we're not just thinking about life here on this earth. We're not thinking about 40, 50 years ahead. We're thinking about trillions and trillions and trillions of years ahead. And living in light of eternity is the key to being the most successful you could possibly be. Thinking in long term. Now when you think in long term, you're able to handle short term pain a whole lot better. You're able to handle short term losses, short term failures, short term Uh, hindrances because you're thinking long term as your pastor who loves you I'm always thinking ahead for your life I'm thinking about what are you going to be at the end of the year what are you going to be at the end of five years what are you going to be at the end of ten years it's called decade of destiny and that's why I'm thinking about how to help you become all God wants you to be I'm doing some long-term thinking for your life and going where do I need to take you so that you'll be what you want to be and what God wants you to be in ten years Most people aren't thinking that. The whole society teaches you to think short term, and we'll look at that when we get to the world. Now, Romans chapter eight, uh, verses 17 and 18, talks about focusing on the long term. And it talks about the promises of God in the next few verses. Since we are his children, we will possess, circle the word will, that's a promise, that's in the future. It's not now, it doesn't say we do possess, we will, it's long term. Since we are his children, we will possess the blessings he keeps for his family. And we will also possess, this is really cool, we will also possess with Christ what God has kept for him. Did you know that? 
The Bible says that when you get to heaven, you're going to get rewarded. You will be rewarded for how well you did with what you were given. What did you do with your time? What did you do with your money? What did you do with your influence? What did you do with your talents? Your time, your talents, your treasure. This is called the stewardship of life. And God has put stuff in your hands and you're a steward of them. You're going to be evaluated on that in heaven and your rewards will be based on that. And you're going to be rewarded. But not only that, the Bible says you're going to be rewarded not just for how well a steward you were, you're going to be rewarded for what Jesus did. Did you know that? Look at that verse again. It says, and also we will possess with Christ what God has kept for him. Did you know that the Bible says that in heaven we are going to co-reign with Christ? We're going to be heirs with Christ from the Father. We're going to co-reign with Christ. The easiest way for me to explain that is imagine in heaven this giant theater sign like a big Vegas sign that's flashing that says, now starring for eternity, Jesus Christ, co-starring your name. That's what it means to share in Christ's glory. You're gonna do that in heaven. So you need to focus not on your little pity, petty pain right now, but on the long-term benefits of doing the right thing and sharing in glory forever. Notice it says, the rest of that verse, for if we share Christ's suffering, we will also share his glory. I consider that what we suffer at this present time cannot be compared, in other words, to small potatoes, with all the glory that is going to be revealed in us, to us. He's saying, yeah, you know what? It's not always easy living for Christ. It's not always easy doing the right thing. It's not always easy making the moral decision, but the benefit long-term is gonna far outlast the pain. You need to focus long-term, not short-term. Now, practical example, Daniel plan. Daniel plan means you put up with short-term pain in exercise and eating and things like that for long-term benefits, and you don't give up. Same thing with Bible study, same thing with witnessing, same thing with tithing, giving of your money. You put up with short-term pain for long-term benefit. Focus on the long-term, not short. If you're focusing all in short-term, there's one word for it, it's foolish, it's foolish. If you're a college student, I beg you to not focus on the here and now, the parties and the fun and all that stuff, but focus on the long term and where you want to be. Number six, the sixth habit is to remind myself that God is good and in control. This is an application of what the Bible teaches in Romans uh, chapter 8. This is how God sets us free from the self-destructive weapon of bitterness. Remind myself that God is good and in control, and you need to remind yourself of that over and over and over and over and over every single day. Now, I don't have time to get into this, but in verses 19 to 25 of Romans chapter eight, Paul describes how sin has damaged the world. If I got into this, the sermon would be twice as long. We don't have time to get into it. So let me just summarize. In verses 19 to 25, Paul says, everything in the world is broken, 
Everything in the world has lost its original purpose. Everything in the world is suffering. Everything in the world is in pain. And everything in the world is frustrated because sin broke it all down. Everything is frustrated. In fact, look at this verse on the screen, verse 20. Everything created is subject to frustration. Waiting to be liberated, set free from me. Waiting to be liberated from its bondage to decay. All of creation groans in pain like childbirth. And we groan inwardly. We're going, oh man, this is tough. This is hard. This is difficult. Why is life so hard? It says the environment is groaning. I, I think earthquakes and I think you know, uh, hurricanes and I think all the wacky weather is the, is the environment groaning because it's broken. And we groan in pain because relationships are broken. And later you're gonna find out that this Holy Spirit groans in pain for you. There are three groans in this chapter. Now, he says that the result of living in a broken world is pain and the result of pain is bitterness. And that's a self-destructive weapon. When I look out and I go, He's got a nicer house than I do. She's got a better job than I do. How come her kids are like that? How come my, and you start comparing and you start getting envious and you start getting jealous and then people hurt you and you get bitter and you get uh, uh, grudges and you get resentful. That's a pain that's gonna eat you up. You gotta learn how to deal with that weapon of self-destruction. And the way you do it is remind yourself that God is good and in control. That God is good, is in control. The result of living in a broken world is pain, and the result of pain is bitterness. And as a result, we get bitter inside, and we start getting resentful, and we say, life is unfair. Well, yeah, what else is new? Life is unfair, it's because it's broken. But the Bible says in Romans 8 that there are four things you need to remember to get over bitterness. Now listen, pain in your life is not optional, but misery is. Pain in your life is not, you're gonna have pain in your life, it's called life. Suffering in your life is not optional, you're going to suffer. Misery is, moaning is, optional, bitterness is optional. And you overcome bitterness by remembering four magnificent truths in Romans 8. Verse 26 and 27 says this, the Holy Spirit is praying for me. You write, write that down. The Holy Spirit is praying for me. That helps me overcome bitterness because no matter what I'm going through, I know God's on my side, he's praying for me. It says here, the Spirit helps us with our weakness and we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself speaks to God for us. Did you see that? God's praying to himself. He's talking to himself about you. He said, how does God talk to himself? Oh, you don't ever do that? You talk to yourself all the time. When God talks to himself about you, that's called prayer. Okay, the spirit of God, it says, prays for us and even begs God for us with deep feelings that words cannot explain. God sees what's in our hearts and the spirit speaks to God for his people in the way that God wants. So when you're, no matter what you're going through, the first thing he goes, you know what? Right now, the Holy Spirit is praying for me. That's cool. Second thing, God is using it all for good. That's the second thing I write, remember. God is using everything in my life 
for good. It's not all good, but he's using it all for good. The next verse says this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. It's not all good, but God is using it all for good. God is greater than my problems. God is greater than my enemies. God is greater than my critics. And God is using it all for good in my life. Number three, God wants me to succeed. Did you know that? Did you know that God wants you to succeed? He doesn't want you to fail in your life. He wants you to succeed in your life. God is not against you. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, God is for you. The Bible says in verse 31, so what can we say against such wonderful things, about such wonderful things, all the stuff we've talked about? What do we say about all these wonderful things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Remember, I'm in the family. My father is God. And so God wants me to succeed. And finally, number four, God will give me what I need. When I'm feeling blue, and when I'm feeling bitter, I need to remind myself that God is good, he's in control. His spirit is praying for me. He's using everything for good in my life. He wants me to succeed, and he's gonna give me what I need, verse 32. Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God give us, won't God who gave us Christ give us everything else? Wow. He said, if God loved you enough to let Jesus die on the cross for you, don't you think he loves you enough to help you with your debt? Don't you think he cares enough to help you with your health? Don't you think he cares about you when your face breaks out? There is nothing in your life that God doesn't care about. I threw that one in because it seems so ridiculous. (laughs) There is nothing in your life that God doesn't care about. You got an upset, upset tummy, God cares about it. He knows every hair on your head. God will give me what I need. If God didn't spare his son to solve my biggest problem, everything else is small potatoes. It's all minor to him. There's no big problem in your life. They're all small problems to God. Now finally, we come to the last habit you need to develop. These are all mental habits. You need to take this home, write it down, put it on your windshield of, uh, yeah, windshield, so you can't see it, right? <laughs> put it on your mirror in your, in your bathroom, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your visor in your car, so every day you can remind yourself to practice these seven habits that defeat the habits of self-destruction. And the seventh habit destroys the seventh enemy, which is insecurity. Now the fact is, when you feel insecure, it really messes up your life. And the worst fear that we have in insecurity is the rejection. Many of you have experienced rejection. You have felt it from your parents. Why can't you be like your sister or your brother? You felt rejected by kids on the playground and they made fun of you and they made made up names. You felt rejected by a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe you've been rejected by a spouse. And nothing hurts more than rejection. But one thing I can tell you this is God's never gonna reject you. And the seventh habit is this, trust that God will never stop loving me. 
Trust that God will never, never stop loving me. I'm in the family. He cannot not love his family. He will never stop loving me. Romans 8, 38 and 39 in the chapter. Now I'm convinced that nothing ever can ever separate us from his love. Death can't, life can't, the angels can't, demons can't. Satan can't separate you from God. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we're high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I may lose a lot of things in life, but I'll never lose my salvation. You can't lose it because nothing. Once you're in God's hand, he's not letting go of you. You may want to let go, but he's not letting go of you. You cannot lose your salvation. Now my question is this, do you belong to Christ? Because none of these things are true in your life unless you belong to Christ. Do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? You say, well, I don't know. Well, let's make certain of it right now. Let's bow our heads. And I'm gonna pray a prayer as we close, and I'm gonna ask you to pray it. Say this in your heart. Dear Jesus Christ, thank you for all that you did for me. Thank you that there's no condemnation in my life for all the sin I've done. You took that condemnation. Thank you that you did what the law couldn't do. Thank you that you destroyed sin's control. Thank you that you accomplished the law in my life. And my righteousness is nothing, but your righteousness is what ticket I get into heaven on. Help me to never forget what you did for me. And when I feel ashamed, let me remember what you did on the cross for me. Holy Spirit, I ask you to give me better thoughts. I want to switch mindsets. I don't want the mindset of self-destruction. I want the mindset of life and peace. I don't want to think my old ways. I want to think your new ways. I invite you to put thoughts in my mind all the time for they are the truth. And help me to remember and realize that I have a new ability to say no. Lord, I used to just have willpower, but now I've got spirit power. I'm not obligated to give in to those compulsions anymore, that if I ask you for help, you'll help me and give me the strength to say no. Thank you, that no temptation is too strong. And when I'm afraid, help me to turn my thoughts to you. Help me to remember that I'm your child and help me to cry out to you, Father, Daddy, I'm afraid. To focus on my Father, not my fears. And help me to focus on the long term, not the short term. You know the pain in my life. You know the suffering. I want you to use it for good and I want you to use it for your glory. And I want to look and focus long-term on eternity, not just the here and now. I want to do the right thing, not the easy thing. And when I start to get bitter, and I feel life is unfair, and when I feel hurt, help me to remember that you, God, are good, and you're in control. That you are praying for me. Thank you for doing that. 
that you are working all things for good. Thank you for doing that. That you are for me, not against me. Thank you for that. And that you didn't spare Jesus, and so you'll give us whatever we need. Thank you for that. Most of all, I thank you that you will never let go of me. You'll never stop loving me. You'll never reject me. Thank you that I cannot lose my salvation no matter what else I lose on this planet. That you will never stop loving me. If you've never invited Jesus Christ in your heart, Jesus, say, I want you to be my Lord, my Savior. I want you to be the manager of my life. I don't understand it all, but I want to trust in you completely. Thank you for your grace to me. I want to love you for the rest of my life. And I ask you to accept me into your family by faith. In your name I pray. Amen. Hi everybody, this is Rick and I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. You know, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, or you just recommitted your life to Jesus again today, would you let me know about it? There's something real about sharing your commitment. So write me, Rick, at PastorRick.com and say, Rick, I prayed that prayer of commitment. I gave my life to Christ, and I'll send you some material that'll help you on your journey with Jesus, and I'll also pray for you. God bless you. You're listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We're so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. Why is everything in life so hard? Why does the right thing often feel like a battle? It's because every day there's a spiritual war raging all around you. Here's Pastor Rick to tell you more. You know, we all face temptations every day. It's a spiritual battle that takes place inside us, and it makes us vulnerable, particularly if we don't know how to fight it. To overcome temptation is absolutely essential that you know the tactics that Satan uses to trip us up. And it's vital to learn the biblical defenses that God gives us. He has told us in his word how to handle and how to manage the attacks of Satan. Now, in order to help you learn how to respond to the predictable patterns that Satan uses to tempt you, I've created a study kit called The Invisible War, Winning the Battle of Temptation. This kit, The Invisible War, Winning the Battle of Temptation, includes a DVD with seven different sessions and a simple booklet that'll help you learn how to overcome and defeat temptation in your life. You really need this. In the series, I will teach you the three kinds of temptation, God's antidote to temptation, and even how to avoid temptation in the first place. It is a study guide that you can use by yourself, but you'll actually get more out of it if you'll gather a small group of friends together and study it together as a small group. I want to send you the Invisible War, Winning the Battle for Temptation study kit as my gift to say thanks for your support of Daily Hope with your financial gift. You know, we can't do this without you. And your generosity helps us take the hope of Christ into places all around the world and now to places that have no Bible, no believer, and no body of Christ. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy. That's PastorRick.com. Or you can just text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. That's the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. 
and thanks so much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.